My name is Nick Flower, and I'm a clinical psychologist who specializes in behavior therapy. And I'm Lauren McLean, and I am a therapist who specializes in behavioral therapy as well. Welcome to Psychologically Incorrect. This is a podcast about real life through the lens of behavioral psychology and applying the lessons of clinical psychology into everyday issues. Welcome to Psychologically Incorrect. Today, we're going to talk about a few terms and maybe some more terms that get used a lot in our current vernacular and the impact of cognitive distortions and and seeing these things through distorted lenses. In particular, we're going to be talking about things like like gaslighting, something called the ick factor, and issues around trigger warnings. Hi, Lauren. Hi. Um, so let's let's talk about all sorts of juicy uh, <laughs> terms today. Yeah, <laughs> I think what, what, when when you and I were talking about what we're going to uh, address in this uh, podcast today, this it opened up. I found myself thinking, okay, well, what what are we going to center this around? Because this could we could open this thing wide open. We could open this really. Uh, it, you know, widely, or we could sort of narrow it down. I think uh, for our purposes today and the time that we have, we're going to sort of narrow it down to a couple of things. Uh, I, you sent me something the other day that I, that I had never heard of, something called the the ick factor. Is it the no, ick factor? Am I saying ick. it wrong? Yeah. Okay. So what is the ick? Please tell us and anyone listening, what, what is yeah, the ick? Cool. You, well, let me just say, like, I, one of the interesting things about our jobs is when you have young people mm-hmm. as, as patients, mm-hmm. I get all the, yes. like, scoop on culture stuff that my mm-hmm. peers that don't talk to, like, 20-somethings, mm-hmm. they're like, what? Mm-hmm. what? What's happening now? What are the kids talking about? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. <laughs> I just think it's kind of fun because I always, I always feel like I'm on the pulse a little bit more. But anyways, one of my patients. I'm oh, sorry. What were you going to say? No, but that but that's where this is coming yeah. from. This is part of why, you know, th- th- we want this podcast to be about, like, things that we're hearing in session and, of course, uh, broadly applying what we're talking about in session to, I suppose, the masses. And uh, and this issue came up for you this week, which was somebody talked to you about. Yeah. Ick. Well, it, it's the, apparently uh, a TikTok phenomenon. But here's the definition okay. I Googled. The ick is when you are initially romantically or sexually attracted to someone. But then you suddenly get a feeling of disgust about them. And then in doing so, it's kind of like a permanent turnoff and you lose all attraction or interest for that person. And this is being discussed on TikTok, which is the authority on all things. (laughs) Um, Anyway, but this is being discussed on TikTok as the uh, as a as a real phenomenon, almost. Okay, is it, yep, is you got right? it. It's, it's like a phenomenon that okay. happens. Yeah. Okay. And, so what's your initial take uh, when you hear all of that? <laughs> well, um, that listen, I could go in a couple different ways on this. I could be very professorial and be like, well, this isn't psychological sound. <laughs> I don't know about this. I've never read about, you know, <laughs> which uh, you know, whatever. That's that's one take on it, and maybe it is a thing that exists. I think the, one of the things that I thought of initially was that this sounds this sounds um, like um, 
but first of all, something I never heard of. And if it exists, I've never experienced it. Some people, enough people are, I suppose, that it's now popular. Um, but I, my first reaction was, this sounds like an OCD dynamic, um, was when I, when I read that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it certainly relates to a flavor of OCD, like what we might say, like yeah. relationship OCD, where people kind of right. fixate on flaws. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that there is that. I, uh, all My kind of initial thoughts on it are, number one, when we encounter something as a phenomenon, um, we know it. And then we relate our lives to it, right? Like it's the same thing. Maybe you can tell me the right psychological term for this. It's like if all of a sudden you're looking, somebody points out like a certain model of a car, all of a sudden you see them mm -hmm. everywhere, right? Yeah, the availability heuristic maybe. Um, or yeah, Right, like, like someone yeah, says I'm that's... buying a Jeep, all of a sudden all you see are Jeeps, right? Like that's sure, what you sure, notice. Sure. You start looking for things mm -hmm. as that association. And so if people are right. talking about the ick on TikTok and you're consuming stuff on TikTok, then it's possible that the person that you're dating like wakes up with bad breath or something. Now all of a sudden you're like, ah, this is mm -hmm. the ick. This is the ick. It's <laughs> over. I'm permanently turned off. Like, and, and we kind of have mm -hmm. that association. Mm -hmm. So I, I do think that that is part of a phenomenon that happens. Um, the other mm -hmm. thing that I don't like about it is I think there's this like really unrealistic, um, expectation that you're always going to have perfect feelings towards the person that you're dating. And the reality mm -hmm. is that we're going to have turn ons and or the person you're married, you're married to, to or right? The and you're, you're going to have turn ons and you're going to have yeah. turn offs. And when you, uh, I don't, maybe to use a CBT lens, we could say that, you know, the ick is essentially magnifying the importance of a turnoff. Yeah. Sure. And then you're overgeneralizing it to say, okay, this moment of turnoff, this like wave of emotion um, is now representative towards the person and my feelings for them. And then it's going to be really hard to date. <laughs> well, exactly. And also let's it, let's it in black or white thinking, you know, that, oh, that's it. This is over. You know, it was good. <laughs> it was great. Now it's terrible. Um, you know, I was suddenly, you know, I was, you know, um, you know, incredibly attracted to this person. Uh, and now I'm, now I'm not at all. So I think there's, I think that, that, that's the other thing that struck me reading that is this is so distorted. Yeah. This, this whole notion of ick factor is so distorted and it's, and it's, it, it's really stinks when things like this catch fire because then, oh, there, there it is. And now, like you said, people are looking for it and. And listen, I don't know how popular this is. I don't ever go on TikTok <laughs> because I don't want the, I don't want, I don't want the Chinese to take over. So I'm just not going to give them at least my phone number. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, I'm uh, just trying to keep my brain healthy, actually, so I try to stay off TikTok. Right. <laughs> right. That too. That too. So um, I don't know. I, but you and not neither you or I have heard of this until this week. So maybe it's not that. Yeah, bad. I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, I think that. I think that the, maybe I, we kind of alluded to this though. There's this, it's completely unrealistic to expect to have perfect feelings towards your partner or someone you're dating, like at all times, Sure. you know? Um, oh, the other thing that someone told me recently, so younger generation, I, maybe we call it Gen Z, I guess. Um, and online dating, somebody told me that they've gone on like maybe a hundred first dates and they were in their mid twenties. Oh. Isn't Whoa. that wild? You know, I, I, it sounds wild to me, but I, I was, I, I was lucky enough to date before all that yeah. happened, you know, with the, with the apps and everything, but that doesn't surprise me. I'm not surprised me. either. I'm, I'm a like, 
Oh man, that's, that's tough. Crazy right? though. Yeah. 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 Can I go back to what you were saying about realistic expectations about your partner and, and how you feel? I mean, um, yeah, that you're not, you said that you're not, um, it's unrealistic to, to expect to have, be totally in love at all times with your partner. Um, and I would also add, and very weird, that would also be very weird if you felt that way about your partner all the time. Not only is it un unrealistic, it's also very strange. Um, mm -hmm. Because who, 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 can, who can have nothing bad to say about their partner, except like Fred Rogers. Even Fred Rogers, if he were still alive, would probably be like, yeah, my wife, she's great, but oh my God. The, you know. Or what his wife would <laughs> maybe, say about maybe, him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, um, he was perfect, okay? <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? I also think it's just strange. It's just strange. And, 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 and that should not also obviously be the expectation when you're in, in a dating relationship or married or whatever. And to acknowledge those things, people get so freaked out by thoughts. And we see this in OCD all the time. And it's like, oh, my God, I had a negative thought about my wife or I found someone else attractive. What does that mean? I don't know. Maybe that you found the other person attractive and it means not that that's just what it means you know, and that that's okay. You know, not every thought that you have is important. In fact, really no thoughts are important unless you place value upon them, but that's, that's a, whole, a whole other another thing, but yeah. Right. Yeah. I'd say the other link that we can made, make, and I'm sure you've seen this when, um, I see it a lot in young mothers where if they don't have, you know, totally perfect feelings towards their children yeah. at all times, Ugh. now they're a bad parent. Like right. my kids annoying right. me. That means that I'm a bad parent. That means I don't love my kid. By the way, in CBT, CBT yeah. terms, we call that emotional reasoning. Um, yeah. Right. Yep. So like if I'm annoyed at my kid, that means that I'm a bad mom or that I don't love them. Or if my kid hates being in the car seat and I have to make them sit in the car seat and they scream, then I'm a bad mom for making them so upset that they would scream and, you know, whatever. And that's just one context. But I see it a lot with young moms. I would go beyond young moms, too. I have a mom in my house who uh, feels bad when she yells, you know what I mean? And and really, you know, does not like it. I don't like to yell either. But I also don't feel bad about myself when I do occasionally, you know, raise my voice, you know. Um, yeah, and I would call that like the ability to have regret. I don't like that I did something versus identify mm -hmm. with our regrets, right? So the ability to, you know, have imperfect feelings and imperfect actions and not have them be representative of the whole. Right. Mothers are not bad mothers because they yell. Uh, same thing with fathers, you know, sometimes we do that, you know, and... Um, yeah, exactly. I, I think we've said enough on that. Okay, but, cool. Um, All right. Uh, let's talk about trigger warnings next. Uh, I think you've said in a hmm. podcast before <laughs> that you are triggered by trigger warnings. Yes, that's my little joke. It's true. <laughs> Tell me why you're triggered by trigger warnings. Oh, well, so many reasons. Um, but that uh, this... The, I, I I would like to look this up. Maybe I will later. Um, when that term started to become used you know, quite a bit in the media, I, I don't ever remember seeing that. I, I'm just going to take a shot. Maybe five, five years ago, te certainly ten years ago, uh, a trigger trigger warnings. That's that's new to. It's relatively new, and I think it has caught caught fire. And I think it. Um, uh, it just puts us in this sense where we have to 
be aware, you know what I mean? Like uh, of what's going to happen. It, it fragilizes us. That's the word I'm looking for. I think it fragilizes us that, that we need to be uh, warned if something is going to be, you know, triggering. How, 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 how is one to know what is going to be triggering to them? You know what I mean? Um, now, when I, I do still use that word, especially when I'm treating OCD, you know, somebody is, you know, um, changing a diaper, let's say, and they have a pedophilia type OCD and they are triggered to have these sort of intrusive, unwanted thoughts while they're changing the diaper. Well, we, we identify, well, changing the diaper was the thing that, you know, got you going there. So it's, I, th I do think it has utility, but I think it's overused in the, uh, it, uh, in in the cultural sense. Um, okay, a couple thoughts on that. Number one, let for not everybody knows uh, what pedophile OCD is, so we should probably clarify that. Um, so it's a flavor oh, good of point. OCD where people get unwanted, intrusive yes. thoughts around like essentially fears, and so people can have fears about truly anything. It's the limit of your imagination, and if people have fears of like, oh God, what if I'm a pedophile and I don't want to be which sounds like yeah. a strange, anxious thought, but you know, it's just the limits of the mind. It's like, you know, the pedophiles, like the, some people view it as like the worst thing you could possibly be, which is the last thing I'd ever want to be. And now all of a sudden your mind fixates sure. on it. So, yeah. So, you know, I think just kind of understanding that, of course, everybody has triggers. Um, and like, as you said, like the diaper was the trigger. So anyways, um, I think to connect the dots further for what you said, it fragilizes people, which then we could take it a step further and say, I need to warn you because you might be triggered. And the process of doing that, there's kind of this inherent assumption that you're not going to be able to handle it. And I think you could take that a step further and even say that negative emotions are bad and need to be avoided. And so for that reason, I need to warn you to ensure you're not triggered, to ensure you don't have negative emotions because you wouldn't be able to handle it. And so I think any type of behavioral psychologist, therapist is going to be like, no, you actually are capable of handling negative emotions, yeah. painful emotions, and you don't have to like it. It's not fun, but it is a reality of life. Right. And the more you avoid negative emotion, the more actually you come up, you are creating an anxiety association with negative emotion. So like you could uh, go ahead. What were you going to say? No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, if you, let's say you have a fear of heights and when you're driving over a bridge, you feel really anxious. Well, you're like, okay, here's a solve. Like I'm going to avoid bridges and then I don't have to feel that mm -hmm. way. And the problem is the more you avoid bridges, the more that that fear of anxiety, that, sure. that anxiety, that that panic, whatever that feeling is, the more that gets reinforced. And so the more you avoid negative emotions or things that remind you of the negative emotions, it actually feeds anxiety in the long term. You articulated that so Thank you. well. Um, <laughs> no, you, that was great. You, I, you, you, you unpack that in, in, a, in, a very, in a very helpful way. And uh, yeah, I, I really can't add anything to that other than to say that that's my joke about why I'm triggered by trigger warnings, because when people come into my office, they have anxiety, they have OCD, and they are constantly teaching themselves the wrong lesson that they can't handle a thing or a concept or a thought. And I am uh, very often a cheerleader to say that, yes, you can, we can do this. You know, you can, you can go through and you can learn new associations with these things, whatever the feared content is, 
and you could teach yourself a new lesson, a valuable lesson that you um, that you can tolerate this distress, this discomfort, that anxiety in and of itself is not a bad thing. Anxiety is useful. Um, uh, and to try to sort of get rid of it uh, is um, is not helpful. Um, so yeah, that's why I'm that's why I'm triggered by trigger warnings. I, I think you are too, especially when you're in therapy and you hear somebody say, "Oh, I can't handle that." I, I go, "What? <laughs> you can't?" Let's... <laughs> Should we test that hypothesis? Like... Yeah, let's let's see. Um, right. Okay, so let me say a couple more things about it. I think that you know, I think somebody could hear us say we're triggered by trigger warnings and be like, "Oh, so you guys are assholes? <laughs> you don't care?" Totally. <laughs> you don't. Totally, you don't care totally. that it would be upsetting to people and. I, like, I think we also need to look at it not in a black and white way of, of course, we try to be thoughtful, considerate people. Like, I don't want to upset you for my own amusement. You know, I think no. that, you know, that's, that's not the case at all. I think that, you know, just generally speaking, we know what's on the line when people avoid things that they're triggered by, because it's essentially an anxiety mm -hmm. disorder waiting to happen. The other thing that I think happens is that people like walk on eggshells and the more you walk on eggshells, if I don't want to upset people, um, the more social anxiety you're going to feed over time, the harder it is going to be for you to connect with people and have meaningful relationships because you're so focused on not saying the wrong thing that you can't relax enough to connect and enjoy each other's company. Um, and like I said, it, it's somewhere in the middle. Like, you know, I don't think, you know, gratuitous language is, is helpful. You know, I think there's room for sensitivity without treating people as if they are fragile and incapable or treating yourself as if you are fragile and incapable. Right. I, I agree with that. We don't want to come off as jerks <laughs> or, or people that are insensitive. Cause I think the opposite, I think we're pretty sensitive to these things and, and, and we're, we know that we're, especially in therapy, uh, talking about people who have sensitized themselves to a variety of content or whatever, and are trying to avoid it. But we're trying to teach them that they can, because they can, they can overcome that. They can uh, tolerate these things. I, um, this is also a problem. This has been written about on college campuses and people being triggered by certain topics. There are speakers that come in. And I know that's a very controversial, you know, subject. And I know that on, on college campuses, there's a lot of um turmoil over over this you know um and you know what what professors can talk about um without having a trigger warning i i, I think i mentioned this to you uh, at some point a, a good friend of mine was giving a talk and did i say this on the last podcast did i say this on the last podcast about the um the trigger warning and the discussion no, no it must have been somebody else so um she's giving a talk on at, at, at a university on microaggressions and uh, especially with regards to African-Americans and, and she's, she's in her, in her presentation, sometimes she'll so, show a picture of like a Ku Klux Klan, like gown or something like that, or, you know, some other sort of really racially charged stuff. And, um, and she, I think the story goes, she, she would give it like trigger warning for that stuff. Uh, but then one time she gave a talk and she showed a picture of the president of the United States, uh, which at that time was Donald Trump. And she got through the, the, the whole thing. And then somebody came up at the end and they were upset with her because they didn't, uh, she didn't give a trigger warning that she was going to show the president of the United States. Um, and I, you know, this, <laughs> 
I thought that was a little bit too far. <laughs> I thought that was a little much. Um, so, you know, but that this is a this is a problem. And if we had a college professor here, uh, and I, I've talked to them, and, and, and this is a concern that they have on the college campuses about what they can discuss and what, what they have to do to sort of make sure that they're not offending people. And, and I always thought college was supposed to be this, this place where uh, we, we can have these discussions and teach young people that we can talk about a variety of difficult subjects and hear differing opinions. I remember when I was in at Wheeling Jesuit University in 1919. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you're dating yourself, man. <laughs> 19. That's all you need to say. 1900. Uh, it's all good. <laughs> right, right. In the, in the 1900s. <laughs> 1999 maybe and there was a discussion this this person wanted to have the confederate flag he, he like had it in his dorm room or something like that he wasn't like waving it around or something but he had it in there and, and there was a discussion about that and he he offered the point that you know he is from the south and he has you know he had like confederate you know i don't know ancestors or something like that and and he wasn't doing it as a racial thing. And this was his argument. And you can, I'm not saying I agree with that or, or whatever, but like that was his argument. And there were so many people against him and arguing that, that we shouldn't be doing this and showing that. But it was a robust discussion. I remember there being like, you know, I think there was a meeting on campus about it and people got to, to discuss it. And I thought that that was, I, I got to see that as a young person. I said, oh, this is interesting. There's, there's, a, there's a dialogue happening. Critical here. thinking. You know yeah, I mean? absolutely. It's, yeah, right, right. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, couple things that, you know, based on what you said, I wanted to make sure I said this, you know, in terms of the assumption that people are fragile, like we actually have the complete opposite. We have the assumption that people are capable way more than they give themselves credit for. And like, that mm, is exactly totally. why we don't, you know, are not a fan of trigger warning. Um, the other, another, um, a uh, common word that gets thrown around. This is a funny story. My husband, we were on vacation and he went into like, uh, I think it was Wawa someplace, but they had beer and he, there was like a group of kids that were in their twenties and they, they kept saying, he mm. said he heard this group of kids say maybe five times, Hey, this may be controversial, but maybe we should get uh Miller light instead of Bud light or, you know, whatever. <laughs> he said, he just, he, I know, right, we're laughing about this. But he said he was like just scratching his head because he was like, "What? What is controversial about this versus that?" You know, and it's just funny because mm -hmm, it speaks mm -hmm. to that trigger warning thing of, "I don't want to say the wrong thing, right? I don't like. Yeah. I want. I don't want people to like judge me or disagree with me or you know whatever." So mm -hmm. I just I thought that was pretty funny. But um, and then the other thing you were talking about college campuses, um we should probably do a longer episode on this, but, um, okay. So there's this type of OCD. It's called scrupulosity where people have moral or religious obsessions mm. where they worry about like being a right. good person or like trying to be perfectly religious or perfectly moral. Yeah. And so, um, there is a new kind of offshoot of that, that they're calling social justice scrupulous scrupulosity of trying to right. be perfectly politically correct, perfectly woke, perfectly in bounds, you know, whatever. And I think that, you know, the trigger warnings are going to fall a lot under that too, of I need to be a hundred percent sure that I don't offend people. Right. And I think that's a, a good cross section between um, like that social anxiety of like fear of upsetting people versus the uh, 
the trigger warnings of um, people can't handle it. So um, we should talk more about that on another day, but I think that's worth kind of mentioning. It's definitely been a ongoing development on college campuses. That they yeah, that there's another reason for kids to clam up and not say anything. And, and, and I know that you see it, I do too. So many young people who are afraid to talk, afraid to say anything, afraid to express opinions they don't want to hurt. And then, I don't know, I just think it leads to social anxiety and isolation, unfortunately. I mean, well, and shut down and a lot of people pleasing. There's so many downstream effects that come from being afraid to say the wrong thing, you know, and that the, right. the middle path is about, you know, being thoughtful of your audience and considerate while not being scared so much of words and feelings and thoughts and perspectives and whatever. And I think that that discussion you had on your college campus was a great, you know, exercise of the liberal arts of uh, discussion and through discussion and debate comes growth and learning. And like, you know, that's a good thing, in, you know, in a lot of ways. It is. And, uh, and if that took place today, it wouldn't, <laughs> it you just know, wouldn't. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. That's, I think that's so sad because if this took place today, it would like the, the argument might break out person to person in that auditorium, like I was saying. And then we're going to finish this on Facebook. Oh, God, no Twitter. more finishing on Facebook. Yeah. But and, and it's know. not like there's there's certainly a role for activism, right? Like that that's fine. Mm -hmm. Have your beliefs. But just it's about being mm -hmm. able to dialogue. It's about being able to understand the beliefs of the other side. Right. And not to not to demonize like. The, yeah. I don't know. I mean, you're allowed to so be to you're allowed that. to be offended. You're allowed to have strong feelings. That's totally. fine. That's not necessarily the problem. Um, OK, one more right. thing on uh, trigger warnings. So in 2012, I was working at a intensive uh, mood and anxiety program. And it was a partial hospitalization program. So people that weren't therapy five days a week. And I was working in a team setting. Mm -hmm. And it was so it was 2012. It's important. So um, that, that group was easily offended and easily dysregulated, the Constellation people in there. So they mm -hmm. made this kind of group norm without the staff's input of that they would institute trigger warnings. So if somebody was triggered, they could kind of do some sort of signal. I can't remember what it was. Maybe they raised their hands. Get out. This happened like this is a clandestine. Maybe uh, they like touched their nose, yeah. but they did some sort of signal where they were to signify that they were triggered. And then the group was going to be hmm. respectful of that. Nick, I kid you not. It was wild to watch because here's what happened. Somebody hmm. talked about their cats and then a hand on the nose. Hmm. I had a cat once that died. <laughs> so we're not talking about cats. And then. I no. kid you not. I kid you not. It was just like everybody found a tr like there was there was a trigger to be found in, in pretty much anything to the point that we actually couldn't talk about anything anymore. The staff had to have a meeting and we had to all go in and address the group and be like, guys, we're not doing this anymore for all of the reasons that we said of like, we need to teach you how to tolerate mm. distress, not shut mm. down your peers because mm. you're having a reaction to something that they're saying, mm. like you can use your words, you can use assertiveness, you can talk it out, you can excuse yourself if you need to take a break, but we don't want to create this signal that, you know, if you're triggering me, you have to stop talking. So it was a, it was a really fascinating social experiment to observe and it maybe lasted a week. Um, but mm. I feel like that's worth 
<laughs> right? You're just shaking your head. You're like, wow. <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's everything we, we, we've we been talking yeah. about. Uh, we don't, this is, this is a, the fragilization of, of, I guess, young people. I don't, I don't do know. Do old I people mean, do this? And we could talk. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm sure they do. Right. Because. Yeah. But, but I just think it's, I think it's a symptom of, uh, of, of a generation. And I know that sounds like an old, old thing to say, but it's definitely yeah, a trend. Definitely a trend. Okay. Let's, um, let's talk about the next one. This one I'm actually personally very triggered by is, uh, okay. gaslighting. And so as okay. defined by Google, Gaslighting is a form of psychological manipulation in which the user attempts to sow seeds of doubt and confusion in their victim's mind. Typically, gaslighters are seeking to gain power and control over the person by distorting the reality and forcing them to question their own judgment and intuition. So am I gaslighting? Just for just to uh, just to understand this, I'm going to give us some examples, and you see if this is gaslighting. Because I need to understand this. I'm is is if if I am if I'm manipulative towards my wife, for example, and like 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 I say, she never. This is a stupid example, but you never clean the kitchen or something like that. (laughs) Like I always do the dishes or something like that. Some something like that. But uh, but I'm 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 I know that she does from time to time. But I'm trying to manipulate her into feeling bad about not like you know, doing her share or something. Is that a form of gaslighting? Well, I or, think that like or, or... part of the frustration is we get, it gets thrown around in a very wide spectrum yeah. of things where if you look at the definition, yes. um, it's a very like manipulative. I think the part that sticks out to me is the sowing seeds of doubt. So if your wife said to you, Hey, like I actually do clean the kitchen. I clean the kitchen on Monday. You could, if you said something like, actually, you should get your memory checked because you're remembering that wrong. You didn't actually yeah. clean the kitchen on Monday. I cleaned the kitchen on Monday. You're crazy. You're making that up, mm, you know, like where you're mm. intentionally causing somebody to doubt themselves. So that's really heavy hand. That's my point. Does gaslighting always have to be heavy handed? Because I, I, I'm hearing this term gaslighting, again, a term I had not heard. I don't think five years ago, certainly not 10. I, I'm just saying I've never heard of it. I know it's a term that's existed for a long time. You know what I mean? Um, but I mean, would you agree with me on that? I've been saying it over the past like two or three years more so. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you, you agree with that. Um, but the way that you described that, that's really heavy handed. And I, I don't, I haven't heard, I don't know. I suppose in political, in the political sphere, you, you, you see that a lot, um, the, that gaslighting, but I don't know that maybe, I don't know if that's prevalent. Is, I guess we're talking about this or like, I'm coming from the framework of, is this distorted in a way that this is happening so frequently? Is this, is this a cognitive distortion of some kind that people are latching onto? Yeah. It's it. The, I think the problem is how broadly we're using it. I mean, if you really look at that definition, I think like the better term we could just use is psychological abuse. Right. Yes. When, or manipulation. Or manipulation. Manipula- but what kind of one in the same way? Yeah. Like when you're in a really yeah, like right. malicious way, like messing with somebody's head for your own gain. Right. Like that's what I would call psychological yeah. abuse. Um, I think that one common phenomenon, and this is just like a hu- human defense mechanism. Um, if you ask me about something 
that I had like a real blind spot on. Um, or maybe I felt a lot of shame or embarrassment around. I might deny it and turn it around on you and be like, what are you talking mm. about? I don't do that. How dare you say that to me? What are you thinking? Right? Like, and mm. that's like a basic human defense mechanism and that I feel attacked. So I have to defend myself. Yeah. Right. And sure. I think that, um, and that's just kind of, you know, I have a friend who always says like, we remember that differently. Right. And like, <laughs> it's the whole, like, we're the protagonist in our own story. And sometimes we don't see our own blind spots. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we get stuck in kind of like a denial or blame or any type of defense mechanism. And it's, you know, maybe not our finest moments, but are we maliciously manipulating people to sow seeds of doubt? Right. Mm -hmm. I think we, we, people use it when like defense mechanisms are at play. Um, mm -hmm. But the term really implies like a psychological abuse. So essentially we're like magnifying what is maybe an unhealthy human interaction, but probably not an abusive human interaction. The person that lodges the accusation at the other person that they are gaslighting them um, is overusing that, that word, you know what I mean? Maybe they're, maybe they're being manipulated, uh, to uh, like a small M or something like that, but, but not in the way that gaslighting, if we look at the definition, uh, represents. Yeah. And like, so the example of you and your wife cleaning the kitchen, if you were like, you need to get your memory checked, like, you know, whatever. That's very mean. That's very you probably mean. wouldn't yes. be that mean, but you'd be like, Hey, I think you're remembering that wrong. I cleaned the kitchen on Monday and that was that like that is, and, if she right? was and it's because like you might be feeling attacked. So you might be like, no, you're wrong. I actually did. You're defending yourself. Right. That's really an argument over like a blind spot as opposed to a psychological abusive situation. As opposed to gaslighting. So if she said, stop gaslighting me, I'd be like, okay, um, <laughs> I don't think that I, I am. I just, I just learned about this um, and I'm not gaslighting. Yeah. So there's, there's a manipulation. I almost think of um, like, this is the, uh, this is a very big term, but like a sociopath. Exactly. Or, you know, some with this antisocial personality exactly. disorder would do a lot of gaslighting, a lot of manipulating. You see this a lot in abusive relationships, um, you know. Drug addiction, um, maybe, uh, you know, I, like, you know, sure, there's a lot of crime. Sure. There's a lot of, you know, uh, some of the behaviors right. of addiction is a lot of, like, blame and denial, right? Like, that can show right. up. And, and that's all meant to be self-protective, you know. Like, the addiction yeah. is the disease, and the behavior of addiction is to try to protect the disease. And so it's not right. that that person is this like horrible person, but the behaviors of addiction can be that blame and denial. Um, but I don't right, know. I, just, right. I think that my biggest problem with gaslighting is throwing around that term that assumes that people are maliciously evil, trying to manipulate them for their own evil gain. Like yeah, right. the population is it's so distorted. distorted. It's distorted. And the, the percent of the population that are sociopaths are so, it's so incredibly small. Right. Mm hmm. Not that you have to be a sociopath to gaslight, but what you're saying is when you said a minute ago, you said my problem with gaslighting, no, your problem with the use of the word. Ah, good, good distinction. Yeah. We, we throw yeah. it around and really what we're saying is you're psychologically abusing me and they may not be being like their best self, maybe not the most considerate person, 
you know, maybe they're stuck in any amount of like denial or blame, but like, they're not abusing you. I'm going to say this. I think that if it's true, okay, we're not doing a study here, but if it's true in our anecdote that we believe that people are overusing the word uh, gaslighting, okay, I believe that represents a this sort of black or white mentality, this all or nothing thinking that people get into. It's like, you're not only abusing me, you're gaslighting me. People, that's, that's an example, a form of black or white thinking is to take that all the way to up. The extreme. I'm mad at you. This is extreme. You're gaslighting me. Whoa, 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 whoa. I just... I, I don't think I might be being a jerk, you know what I mean? but I am not gaslit. Yeah. Right, right, right. I'm sorry for being a jerk. Thank you for pointing that out, but you don't have to go, you know, it's like, uh, just going to the highest level of your example to prove your point. Like you're gaslighting me. No, I'm, I'm being a jerk and I can agree to that in, in a calmer <laughs> moment, but, uh, you know, but I'm, I'm not gaslighting. So I think that's kind of what we're getting yeah. at. Is that, I think that's a great point. I think that the other black and white that's assumed is that there is a good person and there's a bad person in all of mm, these interactions. Right. And right. there could be two fine people that are getting stuck. Mm -hmm. You know? Right. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think that you mentioned the political and as you said that I did think, you know, it's crazy when you watch the political ads because one side says one thing and the other <laughs> side says the complete opposite thing. And maybe we should trigger mm -hmm. warning Donald Trump, but like, but facts and facts oh and God, alternative no. facts. Right. And like, it's crazy because mm -hmm, right. you watch these commercials and sometimes it really feels like that of what in God's name is true. Like I'm confused, you know? Um, so it's that like sowing seeds of doubt, like they're just like, it feels like they're just blatantly contradicting each other and it's hard to know what's what. It, it, so are we saying, are you suggesting that these negative political attack ads are an example of gaslighting? I don't know that I'm going to go that far, but I am going to okay. say okay. that okay. I can see it a little bit more with that. Now, is that psychological abuse? You know, ticky tacky well, here, but... but... but but it is but those ads are meant to be very manipulating yeah. i mean well but so is any ad doritos ad is trying to manipulate you by doritos but like not in a doritos isn't gaslighting <laughs> <laughs> um, they're just sprinkling crack in the uh, salt you know oh my god that addicting so salt. Um, <laughs> yeah and, and maybe the political ads is a whole nother podcast we do but like uh but yeah you see you see a lot of the the the, the, the very, very distorted thinking. The the music they play. This candidate is, you know, the whole thing. We all know, thing, you know. But uh, yeah, I guess my big call is like there are psychological abusers, and that's it. Like you know, we we hear stories for work all the time, and sometimes we hear crazy or sad stories. And when I've heard of somebody who really has endured psychological abuse, I mean, like the hair on my arms stand up. Mm -hmm. I mean, like I feel sick when I hear mm -hmm. that. I mean, it is a objectively upsetting thing. And that's right. when we should use gaslighting, right? Like, or we yeah. could use psychological abuse, one and the same. But let's not throw around mm -hmm. something that's so heavy for something that's just not that. So you're saying in this, this takeaway you're saying is like, let's, reserve let's respect that word let's reserve yes. actual gaslighting for what it really is because it does a disservice to people who have been actually abused. you know been abused yeah. you know um and i i think we could well 
when people overuse the word trauma too, sometimes, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that, that's maybe opening up another discussion, but. Um, well, we can, yeah. I, can, I think I can broadly hit on that. You know, in the trauma world, we have what we call big T and little T. Big T mm -hmm. is when your life was in objective danger, right? Sure. Maybe you were in a house mm -hmm. fire. Maybe you were in combat. Maybe you were like sexually assaulted. Mm -hmm. Maybe you were held at gunpoint. Your life felt in objective danger in that moment. And that is a big T. And then we have little T's, mm -hmm. which were, you know, maybe like a medical trauma or, um, you know, maybe there was some sort of physical abuse, but you never felt like you were going to die. Yeah. That's not that that wasn't mm -hmm. traumatic, but it's not the mm -hmm. same, right? And so understanding right. the difference. But the other thing too is we could also take it a step further and that we could have like, you know, somebody could like, I don't know, let's say like throw up all over themselves like the first day of sixth grade. It would be very easy yeah. for them to say that that was traumatic. And like, it was probably mm -hmm. incredibly upsetting and incredibly anxiety provoking. Yeah. Now, does that disrespect people that lived through big or, or other little T things? Mm -hmm. I don't know, but maybe having accurate language and like thoughtfulness around these things is, is really like how you move forward. And that's what we talk about in CBT all the time. It's that like, what's the most thoughtful and accurate way to think about what this thing is instead of jumping to big emotional extremes. Right. Yeah. Jumping to big emotional screen extremes is very easy uh, to do. And that's, I think, you know, we're, we're trying to, I suppose, combat that in some small way um, by what we do every day in therapy and also to a degree on this podcast. However controversial it may be. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think we're such a thing. Like, I don't think we're saying things that are that controversial. You know what I mean? But I know that if, you know, if there's a comment section or whatever, people might try to. I turned it know, off. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> did you? <laughs> no comments, please. They're triggering right. to me. Right. <laughs> Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm kidding. But yeah, I mean, I think generally right. this is what we're talking about of like not being afraid to talk, but being thoughtful about how you talk. Cool. I agree. All right. Sounds good, Nick. Try, try to, you know, be mindful as you go into the world. Try not to trigger too many people today. <laughs> You're gaslighting me and I'm not going to take it. I, I now have the ick. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> We're no longer friends. You gave me the ick. It's over. <laughs> Great. It's over. We're done. All right. That was a good right. last podcast. All right. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to our podcast. Credit to our theme music to my brother, Andrew McLean. Please subscribe, leave a review, and tell us what you think. All opinions are our own.